0: Uh, So, look at chapter 8 of the Gospel according to Luke, and let's look at the parable of the sower. Let me just begin reading at verse 1 and read just 8 verses, and then I'll pick it up a little later on. After this, Jesus uh, traveled about from one city and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom he had cast seven demons, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. While a large crowd was gathering, and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, as some fell along the path, it was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. And it came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he had said this, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Amen. May God bless to our hearts and understanding of this part of his word. When John Akers came back in the uh, study this morning, getting ready for his Sunday school lesson, he saw Maury Scobie putting together all these visual aids. And John said, well, I can tell you've been down to the seminary this week. <laughs> and uh, uh, maybe he's right. Um, these are seed ca- this is a seed catalog. That's the part of one that fell. And uh, this uh, uh, shows you a lot of fruit, uh, vegetables. And these vegetables are the results of seeds that have been sown. Now, the seed, when you tear them out of the package, don't always look like this. There's a lot of work that goes on in between. And I pointed this out again and again when I preached upon this particular passage of Scripture. Now, Jesus, uh, when he was teaching, knew by this time in his ministry, when all these crowds of people were coming after him, that there would be many people who hearing would not hear and who seeing would not understand. That's why the passage was read from Isaiah this morning. Because there comes a certain time in in many people's lives in which they become cynical. They become careless, hard. They won't take in the truth. They don't care about it. Careless means I don't care. And Jesus knew that there were people coming and hearing him as he sowed the seed, which is always the same. The seed is the word of God. And it has great power. It can fall into soil like Calvin Smith. And cause a beautiful smile. And cause a life that begins to grow and to read God's word and to pray, and to witness to others. It can fall upon people who have been coming to church year after year, and they say, oh, I've heard it all. And so when they go away, there's no difference. The first seed represents, in Jesus' explanation of this parable, hard soil. Soil by the wayside that's been trampled on a path, and the seed is good seed, but it just lies there on the surface. And so the birds of the air can come and fly away with it. People will step on it. It won't grow and produce any fruit. And Jesus knew that there were people who have a deadening familiarity with holy things. People who sing hymns who do not mean what they are saying when they sing those hymns. People who pray but do not mean what they are praying when they pray. People who just say words but the words do not come into their heart. The first soil by the wayside represents a contact That does not have any communion. The seed is there. And the soil is there. But there is no reception. On the part of the soil of the seed. It does not get down inside that soil. Actually if you've ever been to the Orient. And I have. And I've seen thousands and thousands of rice paddies. Some of the most. Fertile soil is that soil which is beaten down like that. It's fertile because the animals have fertilized it, walking over it. But it's beaten down. And so if the seed falls on it and the Lord sends his rain on the just and the unjust and his word is preached here today, there may be some who hold it aloof and think it's not for me. And there may be some who think, oh, God, do you have anything for me today that will help me to meet the terrible problems that I'm faced with in my life? What kind of soil am I? Am I afraid to let go and let you have your way with me? Have I become cynical and hard like those Pharisees and Sadducees who didn't want to listen to him and who later plotted to have him put to death. But you remember I've told you that some of those cynical, hard-hearted people got converted. Saul of Tarsus was a Pharisee and he became a tremendously fruitful apostle for the Lord Jesus Christ. Nicodemus was a Pharisee who came to Jesus under the cloak of darkness and yet was faithful when Jesus' disciples fled. And so sometimes that hard soil can be broken up. And I wanna say this, oh, when we're talking about what's wrong, we ought to talk about how it can be made right. If you've got hard soil, you've got to break it up. A plowshare has got to dig down into it and turn it over and make it deep and prepared. Now, sometimes, that may come through means of a catastrophe. A few weeks ago, I read, and I don't think I've ever had as much response from anyone wanting a copy of a book as from that book, A Severe Mercy by, C.S., uh, by Van Alken, uh, the man whose wife had died. A Severe Mercy. Sometimes uh, uh, Lewis, by the way, was very much influenced by another writer whose name was J.R.R. R. Tolkien. Some of you have seen his books, The Lord of the Rings and the other books. Tolkien was a philologist, a, a, a person who studies the meaning of words. And he even invented words. And he said everyone ought to have what he called a you, catastrophe. Now, eu in Greek is a prefix that can mean good. So if I speak a eulogy, logos is word, and eu is good, it's a good word. That's usually what people say at funerals. They'll say a eulogy was delivered over President so-and-so when he died. A good word was spoken. Euphonistic are words that sound good. Uh, uh, phono is sound. you there is good. Uh, euthanasia, uh, Thanatos is death. EU is good. Uh, this, is, this is supposed to mean a good death. Uh, so you see, there can be a U catastrophe. There can be the type of catastrophe that breaks up this hardness, this casualness, and makes me think. I don't know how many people I know who have had cancer who have told me that when they got the x-ray reports back and the biopsies and the lab reports that they were frightened out of their wits and that they prayed like they'd never prayed before and that the Lord had spoken to them and that they suddenly grew closer to him. In a more humorous vein, Samuel Johnson, the great English lexicographer and man of letters, said that nothing so wonderfully concentrates the mind like the prospects of being home. <laughs> you can concentrate then. So there can be a u-catastrophe which breaks up this hard, careless ground. This is the hard ground, and it can be broken up. And if it can be broken up, then the seed that gets inside can bring forth some fruit. Casual. Uh, This is probably the thing that we run into the most. Jesus, in his uh, uh, explanation of this parable, says that these are they which hear the word with joy and for a while believe, but in time of temptation fall away. The seed sown on rocky soil. I talked to my friend Steve Barden this morning who knows so much about soils and seeds, and I always love to talk with him about it. Uh, And I said to Steve, usually when I'm walking out in the yard and I see some moss out in the middle of my lawn, there's a rock underneath that moss where I want Kentucky bluegrass to be growing, there's some moss. And, And if I look at that moss and fool around with it a minute, I find a big old rock. That's not uncommon in Montreat. There are a lot of rocks. And uh, uh, so you have to dig the rocks out in order to to get some depth there. You remember uh, Jesus said, these are they which hear the word with joy. They on the rock uh, are the plants that are withered because they have no depth, no moisture. If you've got a little plant planted in something shallow, you have to water it all the time. You have to keep a lot of water in there. Uh, now, Jesus had superficial hearers. There was a fellow who came running to Jesus and fell down at his feet and said, Good master, you've got something I haven't seen in anyone else. Tell me what I have to do to inherit eternal life. Jesus looked at him and loved him, Mark says. Mark noted the expression in Jesus' face. Jesus looked at him and loved him. But he realized that this man had made a God out of money. So Jesus said, go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor and take up your cross, die to yourself and follow me. And the man went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. He heard the word with joy, but then when he heard the demands of discipleship, he went away sorrowful. There was another who came running to Jesus and said, Master, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, You will? Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has not where to lay his head. And so he scratched his head and said, Well, I don't think I'll follow you. And he went away. So he wanted us to count the cost of discipleship. This is why he speaks this parable because he knows that there will be different responses to the word. Why is it after 2,000 years of preaching when the Christian gospel has got the greatest message in the world? It is believed by so few people and by those who do believe it, so many practice it so poorly. It's right here. It's, the very, it's not the fault of the sower. I love that about Charles Colson I met him one time, and uh, I asked him, I said, why why is it that with all those evangelical preachers that were going to the White House when Nixon was present and preaching in the East Room, uh, that uh, all this lying and cheating went on with Watergate? You know what Charles Colson said to me? He said, don't blame that on the preachers. He said, blame that on those of us who were sitting there. We just didn't apply it to ourselves. It was not the preacher's fault. It was our fault. We didn't apply it to ourselves. When he did apply it to himself, of course, we know what happened. Then the choked, uh, the third type of soil is good soil. But it's got other things growing in it. These, uh, said Jesus, uh, about the third type of soil is the seed which falls in among thorns and thistles and is choked. And when he explains this to his disciples, he says that it's choked by the riches and the cares and the pleasures of this life and brings forth no fruit to perfection. That's the cluttered life. I don't know how many of you have read Alvin Toffler's book, Future Shock. It came out years ago and was very faddish to talk about it all the time. Um, faddish is a good word because that's kind of like this third type of soil. It wants to do too many things. And Toffler says an interesting thing. He says, "Don't cultivate deep relationships because they will hinder your upward mobility. Be able to relate and disrelate easily." if you want to succeed in business. Someone was telling me the other day that there were some corporations who wanted to hire divorced men because it wasn't so hard to get them to move to another city. They didn't care what the wife and the children thought about it. And this is destroying... The fabric of our society. I love that little bumper sticker, have you hugged your kid today? Have you listened to your kid? And yet what some of the success cult people say is don't get so involved with your kid that you want to stay in one place and keep him in a good school or or amongst good people where he can uh, grow good. Let money be your goal. Get all these things. And then when you get all of those things, what have you got? You've got a lot of wrecked lives, a lot of people talking to shrinks, uh, psychiatrists. And uh, you, you see people all messed up from it. Uh, so that related and disrelatedness that Toppler talks about is a superficial. Uh, you see these faddest, boy, watch these, these buttons. Uh, right now you've got all these candidates uh, in the Republican Party running for president. And, and you got a few in the Democrat, But uh, watch them. Uh, they'll begin to drop out, and you'll say, who's he? Uh, where is he from? All these things become outdated. Fads do not last long. Uh, they last a couple of seasons. And so that's the, the, the cares and the riches uh, choke out the, the soil. The soil is good. It's good soil. The only thing wrong with it is that you've got to weed it. You've got to pull up the weeds. I have often said that I have never had to buy any weed seed. Never. I've never had to buy any crabgrass seed. And if anybody ever sells them, I'll try to shoot them. Uh, uh, I'm joking. But, but if you've tried to have a lawn, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, the weeds are going to be there. The devil's going to see to it there. So you got up here with the careless where the birds come and fly away. I used to think those birds were, were old squawking crows. The longer I've lived, I think they're pretty little yellow-haired canaries that <laughs> steal away the truth. And then you've got the, the casual who uh, hear the word and think it's a nice thing to hear and, and wasn't that great, uh, but there's no depth there and it withers away. Uh, now you need to dig out the rocks and go deeper and then you've got the choked uh, which means pull up, thin out, weed it so that it it can produce I read an article one time about President Johnson when he was president and uh, it was written by Hugh City who writes a column for Newsweek I believe and uh, he was talking about his personal interview with the president and how the president had related to him that as a boy he had grown up Uh, weeding cotton. Anyone who's ever chopped cotton knows that he never said he weeded cotton. (laughs) You don't weed cotton, you chop cotton. You, You chop it. You not only chop the weeds, but you chop down some cotton plants too. I know because I have gone down the road. They're too close together and you have to chop out some of the stuff so that, the growth will go. I've chopped down thousands and thousands of good cotton plants and thousands and thousands of good corn plants when I was chopping corn because it was growing too close together and you had to thin it out. Well, that third is choked by weeds and cares. And he puts in there both kinds, poor people and rich people. There are people who have too much money and uh, they are choked by their lust after wealth. I've often quoted Rockefeller when someone asked him one time how much money it took to make a man happy, he said, just a little bit more, just a little bit more. And there are people who are choked by the cares, the master charge bill that comes every month, the, the visa, uh, Why in the world did I buy that? Uh, they, they get bothered by the cares, and the riches, and the pleasures of this life. There are people who are so pleasure-oriented that they're out there today. On the golf course, or fishing, or doing something else, there's nothing wrong with pleasure in its right way. But what we need is this last one, conscientious. That which in an honest and good heart, said Jesus, an honest and good heart, having heard the word, brings forth fruit with patience doesn't come up overnight you can't sow the seed and go out there the next day and start harvesting the crops a lot of work goes in between and this is something that we need to remember this is the why i brought this this is a got some good soil It's pictured on the front. It It says, soil is better than gold. There's some people that argue about that. Uh, soil We've got to have soil to grow food. And the good seed is, the good soil, the seed is always the same. But when it falls into this good soil, it brings forth the fruits of the Spirit. The love and the joy and the peace that they were singing about this morning. The patience, the gentleness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the humility, the self-control. And the Holy Spirit brings these things to bear and to work in our life. And then when Jesus finished, he doesn't always add things when he finishes, but he shouted out with a loud voice, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. Take the truth into your life. Take it in. Don't be a cynic that holds it aloof. John Dillinger, when he was just a young boy, he was a famous criminal in the 1930s. I remember once going in the FBI Museum in Washington and seeing a wax statue of him having been shot. They had made a wax statue of him. He had been a famous bank robber in America. had killed many people. As a little boy in Indiana, a judge had sent him to a local Sunday school trying to get him into a good influence. And the people in that church, some of the mothers said, if, if John Dillinger is going to be coming into this Sunday school class, uh, we're not going to let our children come to Sunday school. So the teacher had to tell him, he wouldn't be welcome there. He became cynical. Maybe he would have been different if people had responded differently to him. Karl Marx, who has probably done more harm than almost any person in the history of the human race, when he was 16 years old, joined a Lutheran church in Germany and wrote a paper on the deity of Jesus Christ. But something happened that caused him to be cynical and aloof. I remember once walking out to, to look at his tombstone in the Highgate Cemetery in London. Beneath it he had the carved into the stone. The philosophers of the world have only interpreted history in various ways. The point is to change it. I agree with Marx at that point. The point is to change it, but to change it with the good word of God, which brings forth these good fruits of the Spirit, and which can bring forth fruit in your life today, too. You know, what kind of soil are you? Is the question. It's easy to apply these. to everyone except ourselves. These, by the way, are little soil test kits I've got up here. Let's, Let's look at ourselves and see whether we're really and truly letting the Word of God speak to us and we're really praying, whether we're just superficial and toying with Christianity in letting it go, or whether we're just frustrated in letting the things of the world and the cares and the pleasures choke out the growth, or whether we are honestly giving as much of ourselves as we know how to give to as much of him as we understand. We can all rededicate our lives in the singing of the last hymn, and if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, you can do it in your heart. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for this incredible prayer that brings us face to face with the claims of Jesus Christ. We thank You, Lord, that this is the kind of parable that our Lord puts at the doorway, asking each of us how seriously we really are about hearing the truth understanding the truth, and obeying the truth. Lord, we thank thee that this word is so good that it deserves to grow in our lives, to break through the hard shells if there are those of us here who are hardened, break through the clutter if there are those who are cluttered up by the things of the world. But most of all, may we be willing to allow this good news of the love of Jesus Christ with the cross right at the center of it to grow deeply in our hearts and lives, causing us to die more and more to self and to live more and more unto the Lord Jesus. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ in the love of God our Father in the communion and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit our greater teacher, be and abide with us all now and forevermore.